Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 81. Chris, 81 is the square of nine. Yep. <laughs> That's my interesting fact on the number 81. I have a goal for this podcast. When when we had that interview with Johnny Tong, I think we had a conversation. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or beforehand, but he was talking about editing his podcast and how he spends a lot more time editing to edit out his ums and uhs. And he asked me, what do you do for ums and uhs? And I remember answering, oh, I just don't say them. And since then, I've been so cognizant of listening to other podcast episodes of us. I say it all the time. I say it in like every sentence. So my goal for this episode is to not say um or uh or like. And we're going to see how that goes. That's my challenge for myself for this episode. Uh, all right. Good luck. I just said uh. So <laughs> you sure I'm, did. I'm clearly not trying. <laughs> You do what you want, but I'm, I'm going right. to try really hard, especially just not to be. I was telling Sarah about this, too. If, I think I told her the story that Johnny said that. And she said, when I hear you recording your podcast, you're saying it all the time. And I was like, no, I don't. I just said like, and I would like to not say that. I can use like in that context of something I desire, but yes. <laughs> Got it. not as just a filler word. And then listening to it, I realized, oh, Sarah's totally right. I'm saying these filler words all the time. So extra little uh cog ah there we go extra nah, little uh, cognitive <laughs> challenge i'd rather yeah. just pause I, i'd rather just have a little, a little yeah bit of silence. i think it's good to pause i also think it's f for the style of podcast we do which is super conversational i think it's fine like if this was really like i just said like if <laughs> if this was really like scripted um it would stand out more but since it's more like a conversation I, I sure. don't notice it but yeah, yeah yeah i think it just sounds conversational and i think that's fine and feels authentic especially when my dad bursts in to ask me to do something <laughs> in the middle of the podcast and that's just a habit i'd like to uh, hone out of myself in conversations i think i'd prefer yeah. to not be using filler words as much so that's what i'm doing how did your last week go or it hasn't been a week it's been what four days we had yeah, a weekend been, how was your it's weekend? Been a weekend yeah yeah uh i pulled out a bunch of thorny uh uh what, what did I call them? What? <laughs> uh, bushes, berry bushes uh, for my garden. That's what I did. Yes. Yeah. Boys, Huckle, huckleberry bushes? Boysenberry. No. That's, boysenberry. Yeah. Boysenberry. Yeah. boysenberry bushes with lots of thorns. We tried planting them in a spot that was a little too shady, I think, so they didn't grow very well. So we moved them, but we didn't get them all. And they sent out runners underground. And so this year, they're coming up everywhere in that Ooh. part of my yard. Uh, and so I had to take them all out. And I'm going to have to do that probably for like every week for the next year to get rid of them all because they're going to keep coming up i think oh boy so that's what i, I love that sort of work of you're in the ground and you're digging in the dirt and something about dirt being around dirt i just feel better it feels like a natural antidepressant or something there's some chemical balance or i, I feel closer to the earth in a way that i don't when i'm just typing on keyboard so that's a it'll be a fun break from technical work yeah, I, yeah, that's why we planted the garden, and I generally like that kind of work. But these are very thorny bushes, and uh, my gloves were not <laughs> thick enough to uh, oh. prevent the thorn sticks. So I may have to invest in some uh, thicker gloves. That's a solvable problem. It sounds like. Uh, oh, I, I, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I'm persisting it at every, everything I say. Um, ah, ah, ah. I'm going to keep talking now and saying words that are not filler words. Great. You got Acorn Chat on the Slack app store when we last yes. left you off. 
how did that go? Do you have a hundred million users now from all the people on the Slack app store? Uh, your thing? Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, I have some increased traffic, um, but I have the analytics I have set up are like homegrown. It's like a homegrown, like I record events, including the refer and stuff, but it's not enough. I don't store enough information to really figure out anything about who's actually coming to my site. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that I want to do is um, put some better analytics platform on there so I can better figure out who's coming and what their pages they're looking at and stuff like that. So there is some increased traffic, no, no signups or trials or anything like that yet. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, analytics is the next step, I think. So I can actually just figure out what people are doing. Two questions. Why not just Google analytics? Uh, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing, but, okay. uh, I just haven't. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And you said you, had some increased traffic but you're not sure where it's coming from and you're not seeing increased signups correct okay i'm curious about that i wonder if just the conversion rate is too low that it's only been what like two or three days that yeah yeah it's been a weekend so i i anticipated that it would take longer than that so yeah okay okay having gone through most of traction i'm i'm looking at this in a different light of the the slack app store is one marketing channel but I could imagine also you buy some paid ads, uh, just pump like $100 into it just to get more people going through the funnel. And then once you have analytics in place, you'll be able to see, oh, people are dropping off at this point. Uh, Maybe onboarding, there's some step that is unintuitive or difficult that people are dropping off. Do you feel like, do you feel like you'd like to push this forward in other marketing ways do you i think i've heard you describe this a few times as you just want to sit back and sort of see what the slack app store does how are you feeling about this as a project overall yeah so it's like a lot of my projects and now that it's uh working i am much less interested in it than i was before (laughs) which i hate about myself but uh that's yeah so i'm I'm feeling a little burnt out on it actually um which is annoying because it just got started and so Yeah. So that that is something I'm feeling for sure. Yeah. Um I've been filling my time doing uh Kaggle competitions, which I can talk about. Um that's the other thing I've been doing. And I've also been sort of looking uh sort of uh, wistfully at uh, like developer advocate, developer relations kind of uh work or either jobs or consulting or something. Hmm. Um like I've been hard coding or hardcore coding for 14 years now or something and so mm. i'm getting a little tired of it i think which is a feeling i'm not used to feeling um so and i know i like teaching people i know i like educating people and so things like developer relations type work seem very interesting to me i don't know what what do you think what, what, I'd, I'd love to know more about that it sounds like you're saying you want to move away from more of the hardcore technical stuff of doing coding and uh a, a position like a developer advocate role seems like it would be a fun use of your existing skills and it would be an interesting change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So one, one thing I noticed that I'm feeling in acorn chat and other things is like, I love doing initial development work. I love doing, uh, getting into a problem, but then once the problem becomes something that you have to maintain over a long period of time and do some of the harder core engineering work that happens over long engineering cycles, mm-hmm. I get much less interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something I've noticed in the last couple of years. Uh, like one reason I love Kaggle competitions is because you work really hard in them for three months and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing that developer advocate 
a, a role like that would let me to do is kind of switch between coding and more like creating tutorials, doing workshops, talking to people, um, that type of thing. And there's less of the like day-to-day operations stuff that comes along with most regular engineering roles, at least in startups or on your own. Um, and so that's, it's not something I've necessarily felt before, but I've noticed it more and more in my recent projects. And so yeah. that's, that's why I'm thinking more critically about that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to keep asking questions around this and try to get a better understanding yeah. of what you want to change. The, the, what I'm hearing right now is something you're feeling burned out on is more of this long-term maintaining a big technical project. And so a role like a developer advocate role would be doing more things like making tutorials and filming videos and writing articles and not doing the long-term maintenance of figuring out upgrading Postgres or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, It's more like, yeah, it's more like maintaining sort of either a, a body of work or a body of expertise around an area, um, mm. but you can attack it from lots of different angles. Okay. Where I'm jumping to with this is, I'm 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 curious how Acorn Chat isn't scratching that itch because my understanding is the product's made, the product's done, and you made it and you made it recently, so I would think the technical debt is pretty low, and the type of work you would be doing on it in the future would look a lot like what you're describing of filming videos and writing articles and things a lot more of the software work a lot less of the technical growth stuff there is the difference i guess of uh if you were hired as a developer advocate that's money in your pocket right now as opposed to working on, on acorn chat it's like a, a more of a long-term bet uh that might how be big a factor is that that might be the largest difference yeah okay, <laughs> so okay. yeah i mean i'm uh uh acorn chat is not uh I don't know how long it's going to take before it, you know, actually provides a reasonable salary of any kind. Yep. Um, and so making that kind of long-term bet, I think I'm a little burned out on that as well. Okay. So that that's, I feel, so one, I feel similarly. So when I switched from full-time work to consulting, mm. I, I feel a similar itch. It like different reasons and different underlying things, but a similar itch right now. And so I know that I need to make a big, I think I know, I know I need to make some kind of big change. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I'm currently looking at. It may be totally wrong, I'm, mm. you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm feeling right now is a similar, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah, similar feeling. Okay. Another angle on this, just solving the money part would be you're the React guy. You could pick up React consulting jobs or something, uh, I, I would think pretty easily. But it sounds like that's that's what you're, feeling more burned out on that you don't want to be doing the technical work you, you want to be doing something that you can be paid for right now that's not directly uh doing coding uh yes and I'm, i've also been as i've been diving deeper into this ai machine learning stuff like it's a new exciting thing that i get to attach myself to and so mm-hmm. if i could get work in that area or or adjacent in an adjacent area i think that would be more interesting than the stuff i've already done a hundred times which is react consulting projects yeah sure Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um I guess what's when I'm in a similar situation of making a uh, big ish lifestyle changes like this, I think the thing that I feel the most skeptical of in myself is that I'm falling victim to the grass is greener 
thing. Like we we yes. sort of went through this after microconf of uh, we each talked to people who had businesses in different areas of, you know, ah, we, we should just be making WordPress plugins because how easy is that? Or ah, we should just be buying a business and acquiring it and then growing it from there once it already has an established audience. And both of those, I think I realized uh, if I was actually in that position, I would have a just as big of a set of problems. They would just be different problems. Which I guess there is something to that of changing up your problems can be nice and attacking things from a different angle and uh, realizing benefits of where you were before and realizing that you're actually better or worse at different problems in a different area. So I think, well, how do I ask this? Is, is, will you not be burned out as soon as you switch to something that's more in the developer advocate space, but is that, is that not just substituting the problems for something different and talking to you six months from now, when you have a developer advocate, uh, job, you're like, this sucks. And I, I'm just writing articles all day and I just want to code. <laughs> right. How, how, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. So I'm totally aware of grass is greener and I'm being very cautious. That's why I'm not just jumping in and getting the first role I can find, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, so I want to be very thoughtful about it one of the things that I'm feeling now too is so I have like what eight things going on or something mm-hmm. um, and I'm getting tired of that but that's what I need to do right now in order to maintain my income right mm-hmm. whereas if I had a job which sounds bad even to say because at some point I told myself I was never gonna get a job again right yeah uh, but if I did that would be like sure there'd be like 30 things going on within the job but it'd be one job mm-hmm. um, and that would feel that feels different to me than right now so i would be able to stop doing about a hundred things uh, in order to maintain an income mm-hmm. and i could take a I, I feel like i need to take a step back and reassess what i'm doing and what uh i want to be doing but i still need to make money <laughs> and so mm-hmm. to do to do that i have to to enable in order for me to in order for me to stop everything that i want to stop i need a source of money okay the source of money seems like the main motivator here and that's yeah totally reasonable yeah I, if i didn't if i didn't need money to work then i wouldn't get a job for sure right <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> yes um but uh I, I feel like that yeah like there's there's nothing I, i'm trying to convince myself there's nothing wrong with going back and working for someone <laughs> even though i yeah, told myself sure. i didn't want to before uh because I think it would allow me to take a step back in the way I want to take a step back. And I know, I know it has frustrations and I know that there are, you know, things I, I'm trying to actively avoid the things I didn't like about having a job. Mm-hmm. And so if I can do that successfully, I think then, uh, it'll be a good change. Yeah. That seems reasonable to me. I like that. I've, I've been thinking along similar lines, especially as Sarah and I are thinking about building a family, having a stable income and, money to be able to support them is very important and uh, three things happen at the same time that have me feeling much more scarcity minded towards finances first of all the stock market crashed yes. uh, and also crypto crashed and yes. those, that's where all my money is <laughs> and <laughs> then I woke up and sort of realized that oh file inbox income has been uh, like the MRR has been going down by like $500 a month for the last several months and so now that's in a dicey place. And so I looked on paper at like, okay, well, we don't have kids yet and our expenses are pretty low. And Sarah also has an income and I still have a lot of money saved. And so the the burn rate, like, you know, if, if I just did nothing for, uh, I think, I think three years, 
I would feel really, really comfortable. And then after those three years, that would be the point where I'm like, okay, I have to get a job and that would be okay. And I think I could get a job pretty easily. Probably get it in something like being a React developer or something. And outside of the job, I could still be doing all these side projects. I could still be doing this podcast and could still be working on file inbox, trying to get that revenue up. And then eventually, if I'm putting consistent effort towards it, I would think that, okay, yes, I, I, I've finally figured out good marketing channels and how to do the business side of file inbox. And so I can quit the job and switch back to that. So yeah, the plan you're proposing, I think sounds a lot like the plan that I, like my, my backup plan of what I would need to do in about three years. Um, so I support it. I think it's a good idea. What's the next step? What, what are you yeah. thinking about? Uh, well, for one, I may feel totally different in a week. So <laughs> check, check back every week, I guess. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I've been feeling similar things recently and I just, I, I want to get, I want to get ahead of it. So I don't, so yeah, I still have money coming in and I still have money left, uh, like free you know, or um, liquid money, li- liquid capital. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I don't want, if that all runs out, then I have to take something and I don't want to mm. get there. And so this yeah. is me getting ahead of it basically. Yep. Yeah. I like that. I have a healthy buffer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you would have to take like the first thing and that puts you in a much weaker position. So yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I know I could like, just like you, I could, you know, I could probably make a few calls and get a react contract in a week. Right. Um, yeah. but that's not what I'm looking for right now. I want some new different challenges and I know yep. there will be challenges, but I want something, uh, yeah. New, different. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for right now at this moment (laughs) (laughs) where would you like to be ideally in i don't know three years what would you like a a day to look like you wake up and you make coffee yeah what happens after that yeah that's a very good question um and something i need to answer before i take any job that Mm. i i I go after i've been trying to figure that out um and i don't i don't have a good short answer right now um so I need to do more thinking about that. Yeah. If I could give you a recommendation, Jordan sure. Peterson's self-authoring program, specifically the future is, authoring part of it, and is this the same time Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, same one. He, he's a controversial figure. He, he so, was in the news since recently, you, also. He got since you, off yeah. Since you talked to me about him, I have noticed it more and more. And yeah. I don't. I don't know if I like this fella. <laughs> That's totally fair. And he, his most recent video, he's like being shitty and mean about twitter like not one and i totally get it i think he's he's trying to be uh consistent with his beliefs for, for i don't totally understand the issue twitter kicked him off of twitter or banned him or something because he posted something that was uh sort of a backhanded comment against someone who i think is transgender and also a politician i didn't totally understand it uh and then he came out with this video that was like talking about how it's terrible that twitter's trying to kick him off and I don't know a lot about the issue, but I I don't know. The tone of the video just felt sort of weird to me. And I, so all of that aside, I don't like, people <laughs> okay. are complicated and like they have good and bad parts and uh, you, you don't have to agree with, like, you know, JK Rowling had a bunch of controversy and her books are still really good. <laughs> I would still recommend those books to people. They're, they're fascinating and like define my childhood. Um, so uh, putting that aside, the future authoring program is very useful. He developed it also with like two other people who researched this sort of thing. And it's basically this journaling exercise where you go through and it walks you through all these different areas of your life and says, you know, how, what's, what are some people who you admire and what are some goals that you have in this specific area? 
and what would you like your life to be like in this area in three years? Uh, it's it's difficult to answer the question like where do you want to be in three years, but it's much easier to answer this, how they've broken down these questions of uh, you know what's what's a future that you'd be excited for in this specific part of your life? How would you like your finances to be different? Um, how would you like your health to be different? And at the end of it, it takes a long time. It's a big investment. If you take it seriously, it takes, I don't know, like four or five hours to do. But if you do it, you know, an hour a day, we could talk about it next podcast. And at the end of it, you have like this essay that you've written about your future and what you want. And part of it, which is so much fun, is uh, talking about if you didn't do any of these goals, if you didn't go towards them, and instead you let your bad parts take over, what would that future look like? And you have to sit there and write this story for like 10 minutes about (laughs) what your life would be like if you just let yourself fall apart. And then you have this carrot of, okay, here's this really cool future that I could run towards. And you have this stick of, okay, if I don't do anything, there's this really bad thing that would happen. And that's maximally motivating is the idea of the exercise. So I think that would be what I would recommend for you. The web app sucks, which is why I remade it, but I haven't remade all of it, oh, so I would still recommend the original site. Yeah, um, it's still so, very useful. I have two thoughts. The first is about controversial figures who still might have interesting ideas, which is um, I like I like watching like explainer videos about their work instead of themselves. So that separates mm. their work from them. So there's, there's loads of good YouTube videos for any popular book or course or whatever uh, that are like... Uh, you know, independent third parties basically explaining what the thing is about. And mm. so if you hate Jordan Peterson, but you are interested in that, then try to find an explainer video about that. Um, and then you can actually separate the idea from the person. Um, mm. That's my first uh, thought about controversial figures. Um, uh, secondly, it sounds very interesting. It also, so I was just thinking about this as you were talking, which is it still has sort of the grass is greener fallacy in it, I think, because mm. you can, if you're writing a really positive story about where you want to be in three years then mm-hmm. you're going to only focus on the good things and when you folk and when you write a really negative story about you know what happens if i just you know i don't know eat chocolate all day then yeah, yeah. you'll you'll only focus on the negatives um does is there any like counterbalance in that framework at all to like try to think about the for any good outcome there's going to be hard things you're going to have to do to get there mm-hmm. So like is there any counterbalance to like make you understand that there's going to be work and going to be challenges getting you to that goal it's uh two things the the first is i think merely the act of sitting down and writing through it helps you get more in the Mm. headspace of uh, i think just going through life you you sort of have these vague cloudy ideas of oh wouldn't life be so much better if blank but when you're writing it down and you're you're forced to answer a prompt about it of okay tell me specifically exactly like what exactly do you want and you're writing it down i think by writing it down you're able to look at it and realize oh wait a minute the thing i want i actually already have that this thing that i just wrote down it's you know actually i, I wouldn't actually want that and that happened uh the, the last time i did this exercise i think it was in 2017 uh one of the things i wrote down i'm so embarrassed by this uh do, do, you, know, do you know who dan blazarian is nope okay he's uh the self is he another guy i'm not gonna like very much he's no and i don't i also don't like him now oh okay Uh, but he he uh is the self-proclaimed uh king of instagram and he at the time and i think currently was publishing all these videos of like him on a yacht with all these supermodels and with all these jet skis and those mansions and 
really clickbaity and it was like every day he was posting a different party he was uh-huh. out doing this thing like this this Hugh Hefner figure and so in this exercise uh, one of the things that were done is I'd like to be more like Dan Blazarian and it, you know as you break down like okay what exactly does that mean I'm, well he's you know physically fit and he's uh, 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 attractive uh, to, <laughs> to attractive women and as I'm writing it down I'm like actually I don't think I would want that like he's going to parties <laughs> every day I don't, I don't really want that and, uh, <laughs> a lot of money on jet skis like I get sunburned. <laughs> like there's there's other stuff I want to do, uh, and so in in writing it down and really thinking through it, I realized okay, this this actually uh, isn't something I want. And since then, it's come out that uh, he got his money in a very unscrupulous way. His dad was a corporate raider that like hid a bunch of money and then gave it to his sons. And so he he hasn't actually had as much financial success as he claims he has had. And uh, the businesses he's tried to do are all these CPD things, and those are exploding. And all the stuff of the yachts and the and the mansions and stuff actually he rented all of those and at this exorbitant price. And now he's like going bankrupt, even though he started with these millions of dollars in capital. So uh, you, you mean the guy was... posting pictures of his parties every day is not? <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I was equally shocked. Uh, <laughs> if you want to have a time, anyone listening to this, look up Daniel Zarian on Instagram. It's it's wild. It's uh, it's he, yeah, he's not it's, related to like the Fire Festival or anything, is he? No. Okay, that's an amazing story too. You, you, yeah, you should, yeah. You should watch that story. documentary that's, for sure. There's two of them, and they're both oh, super. Yeah. Um, so that that's the first thing. The second thing is, um. The, 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 the answer to the question the grass is greener fallacy the first answer was mm. uh, I think merely by the act of talking about it you sort of flush it out and get a better idea of um, what it is you actually want uh, the second part of that is it has you think through it, it breaks up I, I can't remember the categories of this but it, it's like the first section is you know talk about the thing you want and then the second section is something like uh, talk about all the ways that you might fail at doing that what are all the mm. ways that you might fall down and, and not do it and then talk about ways that you might counter the ways that it would fall down. So uh, if the thing you want is to have better marketing on file inbox, you might say, ah, I might wake up in the morning and want to work on something completely different and not marketing. That would be a way that I would fail at this goal. Okay, well, how can I counteract that? I can have a don't break the chain to-do list that I post up on my wall and I have to do at least one palm towards it every single day. And so that, I guess that's not really a direct answer because if if you are walking towards this goal that you don't actually want that's that's really just how you would fail hmm okay i think i i think i retract number two i think i think it's mostly just writing it down i think number two is good because it can tell you the the best of the worst cases uh like so for example when starting a uh consulting business you know six years ago uh getting burned out on consulting was not on my list but like not making enough money was Mm -hmm. and the answer was always i could just get a job which is still true i think um Mm -hmm. and so like yeah so even though i'm sort of failing in a different way i don't want to say failing either because i had a really good time consulting and i may not yeah. be done yet i may make change my mind next week so that's why i'm not just jumping <laughs> into something um uh, so this is all sort of uh interesting but hypothetical at least until i sign anything right mm-hmm. um yeah so it kind of tells you the best of the of the worst cases if that made any sense <laughs> yeah that makes sense to me yeah. if you don't want to do this through jordan peterson's thing uh our mutual friend josh kaufman who we hung out with at this last microconf has a version of it that's much simpler to do and takes less mm. time called a personal master plan and i will include that in the show notes but it's it, it's simpler and accomplishes the same sort of thing where you you write down all the things you could possibly want in several different categories and then uh map reduce them into the core things that you want and it helps you clarify the that direction you want to be going in but cool. i think that's what i'm hearing from you that the, the, the 
I think I think if you had a very clear picture of this is the future that I'm trying to get towards, I, I you know, three years from now, for sure, I want to be running a SaaS and I want it to be uh, making at least this much money. Uh, that's the goal that I'm headed towards because that life would be the best. And here are the reasons why that would be the best. Uh, how do I get there? Then you can sort of work backwards of, okay, well, in the interim, I want to make sure I'm not running out of money. I want to make sure that my runway is long enough. Uh, I need at least this much money to be able to do that. And I need to be spending this much time working on the SaaS to be able to grow it up to that amount. So what does that look like? Well, actually, the easiest possible way to do that is just I take one React consulting job every three months, and that can sustain me indefinitely and give me this maximum runway and maximum time to be able to build the SaaS stuff forward. Uh, that That's the sort of plan that I think would really clarify and solidify um, what what the best next step is. Yeah, that makes sense. And that used to be my goal. And so, you know, everyone listening and you are probably operating on that assumption. Um, I don't think it is anymore. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Cool. Yeah. What What is it you want? Does anything come to mind? Like, of course, you're going to get it out of doing one of these exercises. But uh, what? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I, I think studying uh, AI has opened up a lot of different possibilities that weren't there before for me. And so mm. right now there's, you know, 30 different careers I, I could pursue. Um, and so I'm feeling that a little bit, which is like, uh, there could be multiple really interesting options for me. Um, mm. Yeah. So I don't have a, a great answer, a great short answer right now. That makes a lot of sense to me. You're in a very different position than we were when we started this podcast. You'd have... Uh, most of a master's in uh, machine learning stuff. Uh, I, I have a third of a master's. <laughs> a third of a, okay. <laughs> Not quite most. Yeah. <laughs> a, a good chunk of right. a master's degree in uh, machine learning. And that's cutting edge stuff, right? That's, you know, you're a, you're a physicist 10 years before the Manhattan Project. That's really exciting. That's This is the most advanced stuff that computers have ever been able to do we're in the infancy of it right now and you're on the ground floor that makes a lot of sense to me that that would be shifting your priorities of what you want to be doing you could be building the ai that takes over the world <laughs> turns the universe into paper books and, <laughs> try uh, not to <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i think sitting down and just dedicating some time to really thinking about in this new position that you're in with the new skill set that you have where do you want to be okay good Thanks for the therapy session. <laughs> My pleasure. This episode is sponsored by betterhelp.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, not actually sponsored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I do recommend therapy though. Right? <laughs> yeah. We've had several, I think, I think a lot of the people we've interviewed recently, like I recommended therapy. To, therapy's great. <laughs> do, do therapy. Uh, helps your life. Um, all right. How about you? You did some SaaS stuff recently. I so did. Let's talk, so let's talk about surprisingly, that. like only a couple days have passed since the last episode of talking about marketing. And I feel like I've made huge strides already. Um, the very next chapter that I read of Traction was on SEO. And I'd gone through several chapters of like, uh, you know, it talked about offline ads and billboards and how the the billboards make the most sense for local events like a, a play or a movie or a comedian coming to town to increase awareness of it. Uh, where it's sort of mass market, but you don't need to take action on it immediately. Uh, you just want to sort of get it in people's minds. Um, and things like print ads make the most sense for people over 30 if they're doing magazines. A lot of people are still reading magazines, but not young people. And so we got to SEO and they were talking about 
who SEO makes the most sense for? And I said, you know, to really nail SEO, you need to really nail this backlinking game. And to get backlinks, there's some strategies of getting other people to blog about you, which we sort of talked about in the PR thing. If you, if you can get news agencies to link back to you, um, there's, uh, and then there's other strategies of like, if you can, if you have a product where people are linked to it, like LinkedIn was their example, um, people on their website are going to be linking to their LinkedIn page, uh, and that'll increase, uh, the, the ranking of your page, the, the site SEO score. Um, and also if you have some sort of a widget that people can embed in their site, that increases your SEO score. And you know what file inbox is? It's those last two things. It's a thing, right. it's a link where people link to it from their website and it's an embed thing. And the way that I did the embed, this happened totally by accident. Um, my code to embed file inbox in your webpage is a link to your page. And I was thinking at the time, this is just a good fallback if the JavaScript fails. I could have just as easily made it a div with a custom ID attribute or something, but I made it a link and I made it a link back to file inbox. And so there's a ton of sites that are linking to file inbox that improve the domain score uh, of file inbox. It, it, yeah, it's it's great. That sort of has me rethinking that I, I kind of want to make embedding free, maybe like add back a free tier because that would also mm. boost the, the file inbox score. So... I, I've sort of circumambulated in this marketing thing of <laughs> after reading all these things about okay well I could do PR and I could do unusual PR events and I could do offline ads and buy a billboard uh, SEO just feels like the obvious thing to do that I have a really unfair advantage in and I've already right. known that I, I knew SEO was a thing and I've talked to so many people at Microgolf who their main marketing channel is SEO and it's worked really well and I did this a couple of years ago I did a deep dive into Ahrefs and saw what people were googling and uh, made pages for it and those pages worked really well the, the revenue went up and I haven't looked at that data yet of like the the conversion rate from the pages or, or what the traffic is to them I can't figure out how to get traffic to an individual page on Google Analytics I know I know I have that data I just can't I logged into it I was looking around for 10 minutes I couldn't find it uh, I know so it's there somewhere all right so somewhere in Google Analytics there's a list of all your pages and you should just be able to click on it and see the see the yeah yeah you should <laughs> I couldn't I mean, find it, it. That's it. Used to be how, how it worked. <laughs> yeah, they changed it, and I don't, they have different okay. categories of things, and it doesn't. Make sense. I'll I'll find it. Anyway, they, uh, they also they also for anyone for anyone listening. So Google Analytics got in a little trouble with GDPR recently, um, and so maybe they changed it because of that. I don't know. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. GDPR does seem like the anti Google Analytics and anti like Facebook tracking thing. Yep. So, yeah, I'm curious how that's going to work for me because I do want to still be tracking like. How well are people converting to things? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so in America, you can just say, or like in every part of the world except Europe, you can just do it. Uh, yeah. In Europe, you need a little box saying, "Yes, I'm tracking you." Okay. Okay, that seems reasonable. And then I don't start tracking them until they click OK. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, yeah. So I am really interested in. SEO as a marketing channel, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I had a phone call with our mutual friend, Jonathan Zachs. I think you know Jonathan. Do you know Jonathan? Go uh, Reminders? I, I am either Twitter friends with him or I've talked okay. to him before. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, he's a cool guy, lives in New York, runs a site with a co-founder called Go Reminders. And uh, Jonathan is the marketing side of the business. And I think his co-founder is the, the technical side. And so I asked him on our last call, like, hey, I think I want to get really good at SEO and you're one of the best marketers I know. So can you tell me about how SEO works? And he was like, oh, yeah, well, uh, finalmarks.com, right? And he goes to Ahrefs. And watching him use Ahrefs, I can just tell this guy lives in Ahrefs. He knew all the shortcuts and all the filters and he, he was just zooping around. So I think getting really good at Ahrefs could be a, an interesting, uh, a, a good skill set in getting good at SEO. 
So he, for an hour, just gave me a whole bunch of suggestions of things like, oh, anytime you have the name of your site, you should have that link to your homepage. Because as people are reading through this, they're probably going to skim around and uh, pretend like your user is drunk. And anytime you see file inbox, if they can just click file inbox and go to your homepage, that, that's going to be better. And don't link to your competitors. I, I on comparison pages, was linking to like Citrix share file. And he was like, uh. don't do that. You're just giving them free SEO juice. Uh, and he <laughs> said, have more internal linking. And there were a few pages where he recommended, you know, here in Ahrefs, these are the things people are searching for. And here's the page that you have that's kind of ranking for this. But if you just subtly change the wording of this, that would be a much better page. So that, uh, let me pull up that, that actual example. Uh, that page was at the URL uh, file upload website. And apparently people are Googling file uploader for website much more than file hmm. upload website. And so by changing file upload website to file uploader for website, something, something SEO magic. <laughs> so I'm going to get more clicks. A uh, bunch of little things like that. Yeah. So I did most of them uh, today. And I, I think it's going to be, I don't know, maybe another day of work. And then there were several pages you recommend that I add. So something like uh, a, a WeTransfer alternative page that compares me to WeTransfer. And you send it was another site that I think recently changed their name. So uh, making another uh, you send a page. There's a bunch of people Googling upload file form uh, or forms with file uploads. So I think I need a page for that that kind of talks about like, here's how HTML file upload fields work and what you need on the back end. Or you could just use file inbox and it's way easier. Um, so I'm going to do that. It's, it's weird to me that like these are SEO pages. So the purpose of them is yeah. to rank on Google, that when people Google a thing, they're going to land on my page and then they're going to convert to a customer. And it's a tricky balance for me of like, I want to be useful. I want to be writing a page that is going to help the person with the thing that they just Googled. So my impulse for writing a page like forms with file uploads is to write like a technical tutorial of how those things work. But I, so I, I want to have a little bit of that, but I also don't want to lose sight of the purpose of this page is marketing and getting more people to, to use file inbox. Uh, so that's yeah my, my recent uh, experiment in marketing. Yeah, um, yeah this this experiment in particular is you're gonna have to go against your instincts a little bit. Yeah, because this is you're really optimizing for one what do actually people what do people actually put into the search box in Google, and then mm -hmm. two once they hit your page you need the fastest easiest way to get them into your thing because that's what what they want. They mm -hmm. want to type in a thing, they want to click on a page, they want to do the thing. And they don't they don't want a tutorial about something they just want mm. to do it mm -hmm. and so um that yeah for this experiment in particular there's there's other seo experiments that you can run which are like a big long tutorial or a big long explanation of something that are more like you want people to link to them because they're interesting which is different than you want people to search for it and then just do the thing mm. and so it sounds like what you're trying to do now is get the people who are just trying to search for it to do the thing mm -hmm. which is so that's that's what i'd push you towards is go against your maybe tutorial or uh, other writing instincts for, for this kind of thing. That makes sense to me, especially for people Googling, you know, uh, upload file form. That's what file inbox is. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you want you want file inbox. You, whatever else you're trying to do, don't do that to file inbox. Yeah. And then pay me money. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I, I feel good about that. Um, I made a little script to do a bunch of these checks automatically so that any article I write in the future, I can have this little report of like, ah, you have a link to an external site in here. Don't do that. Erase that. Or, ah, you had the word file inbox, but it wasn't a link to file inbox. Change that. Or, 
uh, I also want a map of my internal links. He said, ideally, all of my internal pages are linking to all my other internal pages mm -hmm. with, uh, and the, the title of the link is the thing that I want it to show up for in Google, because then that tells Google, this is definitely the page that people want when they're Googling this thing. So that's like another day of work. Um, and then there's something that came up that I would like your hot take on. All right. There is a reasonable search volume for people Googling receive large files. And there is a gigantic, like two or three orders of magnitude more than that search volume for people trying to send large files. People mm -hmm. Googling things like transfer large files or large file transfer or send large files or uh, upload file and get link. Uh, I have a whole list of these terms. And sending files is not currently something File Inbox does. And I hmm. feel like that would be really easy to do. When I was talking with Jonathan about this, he asked me, how long do you think that would take you? And in my head, I was like, a day. And so I said, two weeks. And right. he said, really? It would take you two weeks? And I was like, well, I think it'll take me a day. So probably two weeks. Right. And he was like, okay. Uh, and that's what WeTransfer does. If you hmm. go to WeTransfer.com, you're met with this file upload form. And also, like, art. I, WeTransfer's branding is kind of strange. They have art stuff on the right, and, the, and hmm. they do a bunch of weird YouTube videos and uh, artist support stuff. I'm not sure why they do that. Uh, but it's a huge company. They had $15.4 million in revenue in 2022. Yeah. Uh, and it said it 50 million customers. I'm not sure where I got this data, but uh, 50 that amount of revenue, $15.4 million of revenue with 50 million customers is only $3.24 per customer. So I don't know what that is. They do have a very low price point of how much they're charging. So that that actually might be what they're charging. But uh, I want to charge more than them. That's, that's only $0.34 cents per customer, right? Not $3.00. Got the decimal placement. Well, hold on. It's 50, 50 divided by 15.4. 50 million customers. You're right. It's 30. Hold on. It's 32 cents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so low. That doesn't make sense. But I wonder if they call the people receiving files customers and like if you send the file to uh, other people, like yeah, maybe, maybe you pay a dollar and it's, yeah. It's definitely, they're only charging... When people receive, I think I want to do more of a deep dive into, into WeTransfer. Yeah. That's the closest, biggest company to what File Inbox is. So I think there's opportunity there, and there's there's market space, and uh, I want to I want to steal from them this idea of you land on the site and you're able to send files, and then now I have two people's email addresses. I have the person who sent the file, and I have the person who received the file. So the easiest thing to do would just be at the bottom of the email that says the person received the file. I say, hey, if you need to receive files more often than this, and you want to much nicer experience for your users use file inbox and you know maybe the file is too big if, if it's over i don't know maybe maybe 300 megabytes is the, the free file limit and uh so i let the file go through but then when the person gets the email i say hey you actually need to have a paid account for this so sign up first and then you can get your file hmm. um so i do think in thinking about it over the last few days I, I do think that would take about two weeks and i think that would be a lot more things that i could be ranking for on google I think also that's an opportunity to be doing some of this PR stuff that they're talking about in traction of emailing everyone who's ever blogged about File Inbox and letting them know, hey, there's this new feature coming out where with File Inbox, which is the thing you wrote an article about, you can now send files. And I could launch on uh, Indie Hackers and post it to Hacker News and post it on Reddit. And uh, Yeah. What, what, what's your hot take on uh, building a sending files feature for File Inbox and then doing a marketing push on being able to send files? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are a couple things that push back on probably, um, which is the traffic is 
a lot higher for sending files, yes, I'm sure, but a lot of that is probably going to be stuff like, so earlier this year, my sister made a family video thing and I had to send it out. And so I had to figure out how to send a large file. Um, mm. But I wanted to do it for free quickly and I was never going to be a customer again. And so yes. I ended up doing it with some weird, like I uploaded it to Dropbox and changed it to a link and then quickly sent it to her and then deleted it. So it didn't count against my Dropbox limit or whatever. Like yep. I, I ended up accomplishing <laughs> it in some roundabout way. Yeah. But I would never have paid for a service to do that because yes. um, I was going to do it once. Yes. So what you really want is people who are going to do it multiple times um, or need some very specific, unique thing, like uh, like encrypted files is something you talked about. So maybe yep. if they need it to be encrypted or something. Um, so that, that's what I'd push back on a little bit is there's a lot of traffic, yes, but how much is useful compared to the receive file case? Mm. Useful to you. Um, and then let's see. The other thing I would say is, uh, yeah, w- well, sort of in a similar vein, which is if they have 50 million customers for $15 million, like do the math on your side and see if you can support that many customers, as many as you need. Um, maybe the answer is yes. But yeah, so I would, I, I think it's very interesting. I would do some small scale, scale experiments to see like how valuable the traffic actually is and can you support mm. those customers and can you find people who actually have this use case that would actually pay you money for the thing that you, for the type of service you want to run. That's what I'd say. That's interesting. How would you run that as an experiment without... I have no idea. <laughs> ...building the feature? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. What, what, In your estimation, what kind of people are sending large files that you would want to attract as customers? So in my head, there's a group of people who are trying to send a, a file to a business where like the business has told them oh yeah just email us the file Hmm. and then they try to email the file and it doesn't work and they're like ah this sucks let me google how to send a large file and then they click on the first link and they land on we transfer and then they upload it to the site and then send it to the person and then the business gets that file and then the business is looking at this email that says hey this file was sent via we transfer and how unprofessional is that that you're a business and like your customer had to figure out a way to send the file to you uh you should have a we transfer paid page instead and that would be so much better and branded and nice Hmm. um that's who i think i'm trying to capture i think for people sending files to each other like like you sending the video file to your family that might be engineering is marketing that like Hmm. if you know that you can do this and and do it with a certain file size or you know maybe maybe part of this is if it's just a one-time file maybe like you know your first file is free per email address but if i see that you've received multiple files then i start limiting the amount that you can receive um and i put limits on it of like i only keep the file for so long and whatever um and then when you or your sister has an actual business need for it at any point in your life i just want you to think of like ah file transfers i use file inbox um, that's that's my marketing hypothesis of like what, why this would get me more customers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it. I I like that it has a lot of search traffic. Um, I know there is certainly a need for being able to send large files. Um, yeah, I was just just like you want me to think about where I want to be in three years. Uh, what kind of customers do you want in three years? And yeah, how? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I want the same sort of customers and I think I'm looking at the sending file feature as engineering is marketing this is like a, a widget that is just a marketing thing this just getting more eyeballs on my page and getting more 
to files I transferred through file inbox and like getting me more people's email addresses and stuff yeah okay i would also so one thing you said is something like the person receiving the file gets the pitch um which is okay as long as they can still get the file if i was sent an email yeah. and someone said they transferred me a file and i get a thing that says i have to pay money i'd be real mad <laughs> for sure yeah how would you handle that because uh like if someone's sending a five gigabyte file i don't think yeah. i want to just give it to them like no right. that's that's actually going to cost me something but if it's I don't know, like up to a gig. I don't, I'll have to do the math on how much that actually cost me. Um, I'd rather pay for that though than like Google ads. I'd rather be actually paying for something, getting people yeah. value. I mean, um, it's fine to say, here's your file. If you want a, you know, a branded file receiving page, then click here to sign up. Yes. Um, as long as you also send the file. And I think it's yeah. also fine to say, you can send one five gigabyte file for free. If you try to send another one, then the risk, the, the sender is the one that it has to either has to pay money or, it's kind of like a collect call. <laughs> like, can you do a collect file? Like, yeah, yeah. I will send you a 10 gigabyte file if you pay a dollar or something like Yes. That. But then that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball game. I don't know. Yeah. I think the receiver should pay for it. Cause the, like in my hypothesis, the business is the person receiving the file. Yeah. And I think that's also like if, if the sender had to pay for the file, I think they would just try to use something else. But if the receiver is yeah. paying for the file and I can say like, Hey, you had a file go through, I have it but it's way over the limit of the free file size. So to get it, you need to either pay for this like one-time file access fee, which is whatever, $5 per file or something, or you can sign up for a paid account. That's fine um, as long as it's super clear on the sender side. Because as a sender, if I send yes. something and the person can't receive it unless they pay money, and I don't know yes. that, yeah. then that feels really bad. But if it says it right on the page, bad. this is going to cost the receiver $5 or whatever because it's over the limit then that's okay because then I can make the decision before I send the file. Okay. That makes sense. Would you as the sender want the option of paying to so that the receiver doesn't have to pay? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. Although you are exactly correct that I would probably go find the free option if I was just doing one file, which is, is not a bad thing, actually. So if you are trying to drive away the millions of people who are just trying to send one giant file a year, which I don't <laughs> think is your customer, um, then that's not a bad thing to drive them to some other free option. You could even have here are the top three free options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. I think I do want to go up market from WeTransfer. I think WeTransfer is made to be much more of a consumer thing. And yeah, as a, solo, to... as a solo dev, that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. 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 I think that makes sense to try for sure. Cause I can always shut this down, right? Like if, if it ends up being bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you could at least write the article, see how many pages it gets. And then, I mean, you have to do, you said one, one day to two weeks. So who knows if that takes <laughs> actually one day or two months. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> so be prepared to shut it down if it starts taking a long time to develop also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could at least drive some traffic to it and see what happens. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, and I can buy some paid ads, see how those paid ads convert probably pretty poorly, um, into like actual customers, but man, my paid plans like starts at 30 a month. And if I get one customer that would pay for a lot of free transfers. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. I don't know. I think this is the best thing I can be working on. There's still some low hanging fruit in writing some SEO pages. 
and then after that i have this long-term project of like eventually getting everything over to serverless i had to deploy something in rails today <laughs> we, we, we were co-working during this so you got yeah. to see it happen but uh actually coding in rails was fine i i sort of missed rails and how everything's super straightforward and i was able to just jump back into it and remember like where all the views go but then deploying it man i have this like self-hosted heroku thing that i set up because it's so much cheaper and so much better than than uh the performance i was getting on heroku when i tried that and it takes like 10 minutes to deploy something and that's just, it's just too much and it's all individual servers and like the the versions of ubuntu running on each of them are slowly going stale and it's just so much more work um so i, I feel solidified in like doing this serverless transition um also to scale that like that, that would be so much work i'd have to I think I have to like upgrade my Cloudflare plan because then it's more than two servers and it, oh, it's just a whole thing. Um, yeah. Setting up each of the servers yeah. is a pain. So you were doing that work during co-working and the first time you're like, uh, I'm going to make this change and I have to do it on Rails and I was going to say something cheeky like, oh, so you're okay doing Rails development, huh? And then the next one you're like, this is taking forever. I hate this. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's also why I pay for Heroku, even though it's expensive and yeah. slower. Uh, it's what, you know, I do a Git push and it deploys. So yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Which is what, like I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I think that would alleviate a lot of the pain that I'm feeling on uh, my current plan. But uh, like I can't justify that and have it be ten times slower. That just makes right. it so painful. I I can't do that because um, it's it you know I pay something like fifteen times more for hosting and it's slower and that's just right. I can't do that. Um, it's it's also dealing with setup. files. Yeah, dealing with files is super tricky with Heroku. And so mm-hmm. since you're a file transferring app, I think mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah that part of it actually is serverless right now that part that part oh. goes through just s3 uh people oh, okay. directly to s3. yeah yeah um yeah. but serverless for this app still makes so much sense to me so uh, i uh circling back i don't know what else to work on that is the best thing to work on i think for sure this seo uh uh stuff that jonathan zacks gave me I think for sure finish reading traction and uh, finish writing out ideas for all the different things I could be working on. And then the next thing after that, I, I have this project of, I want to do this serverless transition, but I've been working on that for a long time and like revenue is still going down. And so I'm, I'm like right. reaching for something to increase revenue. So like what, what else would you work on that would increase revenue more than building a file sending feature? Yeah. So I could, I can answer that sort of by telling you exactly how this SEO experience is going to go. I can already see how it's going to work out, which is uh, you're going to do it. And then like, you're not going to see a immediate increase in traffic and you're going to be like, ah, oh, this is crap. And then you're going to forget about it for six months. And then in six months, that's when you're going to see the benefit. Okay. And so just be ready for that. And so what I would say is do it, definitely do it. Okay. In the next, you know, spend a couple of weeks, whatever on however long the SEO takes to get like where you feel like it's solid. Mm-hmm. Know that you're going to feel bad when you don't see immediate returns. But by that point, you will have finished traction as well, and then you'll have more ideas. So I, okay. I don't know that I have any ideas right now for you, but once you go through this SEO thing and then you finish traction, I think you'll have more ideas. Also, then you will have done the SEO stuff, which mm-hmm. like kicks in in like six months. So yeah, that's what I'll say. Okay. Okay. Sounds like for sure, finish traction, for sure, finish the SEO stuff. Yeah. And then reevaluate in that moment. After I've read traction, I might have some other marketing channel or something that makes more sense. Right. Um but the current plan is build this file signing feature and but like question at that point if that is the the best way to go forward yeah yeah all right yeah 
Okay, yeah, of course. And I only need to know the next thing I'm going to do. I don't need to know three steps ahead. <laughs> so right. That's fine. Because uh, you'll have different cool. ideas in two weeks. Like, you'll have a lot more information. So, Okay. That feels good. I think that's all I wanted to talk to you about. We transfer in the links. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Oh, I'm back in uh, Texas, and it's very hot here. I, I see that. Yeah, I saw on Twitter it's going to be like 100-something for seven days in a row. So Yep. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm just going to live inside now. <laughs> Quarantine for a different reason. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I'll see you next time. <laughs> that felt weird. <laughs> that was backwards. <laughs>